Hello there, Adam. You know what I'm stoked about right now? <laughs> what your new accent coach has been teaching you? <laughs> it's very expensive. <laughs> Our podcast, Thank the Maker, has teamed up with Roosevelt. They're the company that makes all those rad Star Wars button downs that I've been wearing a lot lately, for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, dude, I love their stuff. I'm stoked. I'm also stoked, though, that they're helping us throw our Star Wars-themed punk and emo night, the ultimate Star Wars party, Mosh Eisley. That's going to be so much fun. If you want to order anything from Roosevelt's, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off of your first order. Not to be confused with the tyrannical dark side organization, (laughs) just to be clear. Yeah, no, that's a different first order. To repeat, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first order. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Hey guys, I'm Ryan Key. Hey everyone, it's Nick. Good to see you guys. Hi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm super tired, I'm going to be honest, Um, but I feel amazing because that episode was so good, and or we're talking about, of course. Yeah. I'm also super tired. I'm trying to figure out if it's any specific reason or if it's just being born in 1979. (laughs) That'll do it to you. Finn says yes. Yes, you're old. I'm also tired because we've been doing, you know, 10 hours in the studio every day since I've been home from the Aftershock Festival. That's fun. And Finn's mad about it. Guess who it was? The mailman. Typical dog. Hates the mailman. Real original, Finn. (laughs) Go pee on a fire hydrant next. What a trope. Come up with something original. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Andor. Right now. What have you done with those plans? Andor Episode 7, Announcement, is the title. Debuted today, October 19th, 2022, on Disney Plus, of course. Disney Plus description. The repercussions of the Aldani heist reach all the way to Coruscant while Cassian returns home. You know, that, that, like, that describes some things, but so much more happened in this episode. So, yeah. I don't know, maybe Mark or Todd or whatever is back in the seat. <laughs> Written by Stephen Schiff. What has he done? Did he do another one of these episodes? He's done a couple of these, yeah. Okay. And directed by Benjamin Carone. He's back. New additions to the cast. A big one. But first, Ben Miles as Tay Colma. This is Mon Mothma's childhood friend. Great character. Super cool to see him on the show. What's he from? He was the lead on one of the biggest ball drops in recent television history. Um, He was uh, a German officer an American German officer in the man in the high castle, which oh. is like a, a multiverse alternative yeah, yeah. future or alternative past, you know, the Nazis and the revision history won the war. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was really like, I've never seen him before in anything. And he was just like kind of drawing me in. I mean, the, for sure. the scene, the heaviness of the scene for sure was drawing me in, but I feel like he was, I was like, this dude's important. He's a presence. And, and like you can, you know, the key 
when you, when you learn growing up, or at least the stuff I studied as a kid, is that you know basically the concept that your acting partner is the most important thing in the scene. The other person is the most mm-hmm. important thing. And I just watching him perform at such a high level is little shit. Like when they're sitting on that couch, watch it again. Like how intensely he is listening to her. I mean, like his face. Very generous. Yes. Like every reaction to every, she's like super, anal, he's like analyzing every single thing she's saying in such a, uh, such an intense way. Really good performance for just like showing up out of nowhere on the show. And Malcolm Sinclair as drumroll, Colonel Uaren of much fame going all the <laughs> way back to 1977. Yeah. Very cool. I didn't realize, so every, I watch it twice before we record. So last night I watched it with no subtitles, this morning with subtitles. And I did the very obvious thing we do all the time, the Leo meme. I pointed, I was like, yeah. oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Obviously a different actor because the dude who played Ularen originally, he would be like 117 Let, now. Let's just say he know? was old in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> so he's me. <laughs> Almost dead. <Yeah. laughs> He wasn't addressed by name, so it's just subtitles, which is interesting. I don't know, because it's a big deal that he's there. You know, he's the first, aside from the the cast that was announced that we all knew about ahead of time, he's the first kind of cameo, I guess, right? Yeah. Big name in Star Wars history. Yeah, I mean, that that might really just be kind of a precursor to what to expect from this series. I mean, hopefully we're wrong because characters we know coming in is going to be exciting, but just the understatedness of someone like that, like not even really being named on screen is it's kind of like the, the vehicle of Andor storytelling. Like the most important thing is the story, not necessarily like bringing in characters. So we could all be like, hell yeah, you Lauren. Yeah. It's interesting because take Homa is a new character as far as I know. It could be a Legends character or something. I I didn't do the research. But when Mon Mothma was talking about, I have a friend that that I can maybe bring into the fold, we were all speculating about, you know, is is she going to officially bring Bale in? Is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be even someone big from like, I don't know, animation or something? But no, it's it's this new character. So it is very much like Tony Gilroy's style, I think, that he's trying to bring into this and not make it a a giant Easter egg fest, even though Mm -hmm. it still is in some ways. And and if Ben Miles is going to be a part of the show going forward, you know, knowing that we have like whatever eighteen episodes or seventeen episodes left before it's all over, right? We're, we're all very stoked. Whether you know it or not, you're stoked if he's <laughs> going to be like a big part of the story. So this episode, it was mentioned by Tony Gilroy himself, I believe, that this was a, a quote special episode, kind of between arcs. This week on a special end. Yeah. So I, I, of course, figured that Tom Hanks was going to show up and yeah. we were going to get the reveal that he's actually an alcoholic and, you know. Intervention, maybe. And I can find him rummaging around in the pantry in the middle of the night looking for booze. Cassian, we think you have a problem with women. <laughs> How about just Star Wars characters in hotel rooms with yeah. with <laughs> scantily clad women? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like chest out while he's like shower, like pretending to shower. It's a. All right. It's a whole new thing. It's a very special episode. But it, it was it was big. It wasn't a throwaway thing. It wasn't like a side quest. It wasn't... Uh, I mean, I guess by the previous series standards that are mostly action-based, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of adventure. Something like this would be like, well, it's kind of slow, a bunch of talking. But since that's the whole vibe of this show, I, I felt as much impact from the events of this episode as any other in the previous six. You know, barring episode six which which was the biggest yeah i mean i i think i liked i enjoyed this one better like more than episode six 
I think that just seeing the fallout of everything and it was just because it's understated doesn't mean it's any less intense than a right. blaster battle. This full episode had my attention, like maybe more than the previous six. Yeah, we're like fully turning a corner. A lot of the seeds that have been planted are starting to kind of sprout. Mm-hmm. Would that be the word? Yeah. We're seeing the empire fully like just lock it down. We're really not messing around now. They, yeah. They've been pieces of shit the whole time. We, we get a flashback, you know, where the clones are Order 66 style, just pulling triggers. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best flashback so far. But this now, putting like the rules in place, we're, we're getting that like authoritarian, tyrannical, oppressive system put in place, you know? Yeah. And the, the meeting, the ISB meeting at the top, Ularen just lays out like, okay, here are all the new rules, including shutting down religious and cultural activities, mm-hmm. anything that are deemed suspicious, basically. Taxes on any sectors that that are suspected of harboring any rebels. But what he what he did there with the religious thing too was if you if you notice like how he worded it, he actually said if any religious or whatever other word he used with religious activities are used to cover, you know, used to hide rebel activity, right? Then all I forget he worded it so well. However, he said like any leniency is gone, like forever. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he said something like that. Like no, you will get no tolerance from the empire. Mm-hmm. So what he's doing is clearly just teeing it up to do what you said, Adam, which is actually ban all religious activity because now they can just say every every gathering in the galaxy is suspect to to hiding rebels or you know masking rebel activity. So it, it it's cool how he didn't say like. Religious gatherings are forbidden. Right. Yeah. He said if they're going to be masking or hiding rebels, then they're forbidden, which means yeah. they're forbidden. He hid that motive in, in rhetoric. Yeah. I do find it pretty interesting, too, that they really have a firm grasp and they're reacting really intensely to a couple, like, ideas of a rebel cell right now. Like, the reaction is hardcore considering... At least on screen, we haven't seen them be like there's there are multiple rebel cells. Like it's yeah. really only I haven't seen an X wing fly by yet. Yeah, yeah. Like there's really only Deidre being like I, there's something is going on, and and that's all that we get to see. But on screen or in their universe right now, they're kind of like overreacting in a in a weird way because they don't have the evidence that there's there's rebel cells going nuts right now, like Finn. <laughs> well, it's like you think about something like. 9-11, which was massive for the United States, but in the context of actual war was small. So our reaction to it was huge, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 2,500 people dying is a huge deal in, in peacetime, yeah. you know, on, on our, our side of it. Mm-hmm. But in the context of war, it's not much. So you think about the empire, they're everywhere, guns blazing all the time. So proportionally- And it's, it's interesting, he's, he used the word peace somewhere in there. Right. About this is how we operate during peace. Just amazing. The delusions of grandeur. Yeah. To quote a great man in a prison cell. (laughs) It's reminiscent of, you know, Nazi Germany meets like the Patriot Act after 9-11, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to expand surveillance and and kind of like backdoor everything. And he he goes on to say that they they have this new, um, it's a directive, the uh, Public Order Resentencing Directive. Mm -hmm. It gives them free reign with surveillance, search, and seizure. Patriot Act. So that's straight up. Yeah. Patriot action. <laughs> You'll be more free if we take some of your freedoms away. We promise. Yeah. Careful. Too much politics. <laughs> Kevin put the line in chat, Kevin from Patreon, uh, this is why we work so hard when we're at peace. That's what he says, yeah. 
<laughs> That's why we slaughter people and arrest yeah. them and torture them while we're at peace. Any criminal act with even indirect effect on the empire will be considered a class one offense. All prison sentences will be reevaluated. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Cool. Be like, I know we said you were going to be in it for five years. It turns out it's 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> but Dedra thinks this is a, a bad plan because she sees it as a reaction to a robbery, essentially, which is why she goes on to, and, and we'll kind of jump to the end here, goes on to, to lay out her theory about the whole thing that it's much bigger. But she only does that because she's called out by Blevin because Blevin, uh, you know, the other su supervisor, right? Is basically calling her out for overreach. He's actually, he's, this show is so good because it makes you root for Dedra, even though she's the bigger piece of shit. <laughs> she's the one that wants to overreach and just like break the law to catch the quote criminals, you know? So the safeguards they have in place, like any government should, where you can't just, you know, get any information, you can't kick down a door without a warrant, all that kind of stuff. She finds the loopholes to get the information she needs without a formal request. So Blevin is calling her out for that. Yet, as the viewer, you're like rooting for Dedra because mm -hmm. she's like, it's just written so well. You want her to win and her, whatever her little micro story is in the larger story, you're on board for that. Or at least I was. Yeah. It's a show within a show. Yeah. So he calls her out and she's like, well, actually I have all this evidence. And Partigaz says, okay, well, do you have documentation? Can you show, are you ready to present this? And she says, yep, I got everything. And then there's the turn where Blevin, he's like, he's like, all right, yeah, I got her now. But then Partigaz is actually, actually like, yeah, it'd be nice if everybody had this much initiative and then promotes her essentially, gives her oversight over the whole Morlana sector, but then asks her to walk with him. This is so good because it's like what we were talking about the other day. It's very like Sith. Mm -hmm. It's about how you like, you challenge people and, and how cutthroat you are is the way you make it to the top. He says, well played, but watch your back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, I feel like uh, West Wing, like Aaron Sorkin, like, come walk yes. with me. <laughs> and then um, Luthen's gallery, Mon Mothma, comes to see Luthen. This, this to me is like really, really making it apparent that Luthen and Clea, they're full-blown full like partisans, mm -hmm. right? Th this is where Saul Guerrero is going to come in via them. It has to be because he's having this conversation with Mon Mothma. She's freaked the hell out about this attack. She didn't know about it, apparently. She's asking him if it was his doing. She's like on the verge of tears the whole time, freaking out. And he's like, well, this is the way it's going to have to be. No more rules. We have to go balls to the wall. People are going to die, basically. She goes, people will suffer. And he says, that's the idea. Saul Guerrero style. So maybe it's just more like, yeah, like there, there's definitely something there, Adam. Like maybe it's more like Saw. Saw could be the fist, but he needs financing. So where, do, where does right. that come from? You know, that comes from yeah. Luthen and Mon Mothma. And Mon Mothma is not, not quite on board yet, which is... Also very interesting to be, you know, more than a quarter of the way through the entire series and Mon Mothma's still shaky. I mean, she's fully on board, but not to get savage, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And he has a great quote. Luthen has a great quote. He says, has anyone ever made a weapon that wasn't used? Mm -hmm. Which is such a multifaceted quote in this. Yeah, I love that. They don't know about the Death Star yet, but mm -hmm. there it is. Another, it's just, it's describing the whole thing. Um, and then Clea goes to meet Vel. Vel shows up in her Sunday best. She's on Coruscant. She made it out. Did you notice that symbol um, written in chalk when she yeah. mm -hmm. she turns, she's making her way through Coruscant? At first, the angle that it is, like it's almost cut off a little bit. I thought it was a, um, especially because of her 
red outfit. Yeah, I dude. thought it was a, a Crimson Dawn. Totally. Yeah, that's what in Solo, the old lady, like the old villager, isn't that the same like circle with a line through it or whatever it was? I think it was so kind of like hastily drawn mm-hmm. that it can look like either that or the proto rebel logo mm-hmm. that's used for the show. Either way, I mean, your your mind went where my mind went. It was definitely that logo looked similar. And then she, I was like, wait, and she's wearing literally crimson? Yeah. I was like, yeah, that doesn't really make sense though. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean... Crimson Dawn isn't, you know, they don't have any loyalty to to the Empire. So there could be some crossover there. Yeah. Who knows? And then she tells Vel to kill Cassian to tie up the Luthan. Very similar conversation to Luthan and Mon Mothma because she says, this is what rebellion looks like. And it turns out, it seems that she's the one who's doing the recruiting, not Luthan. Because we started to notice this like subtle power, not imbalance, but... There's something more below the surface, basically. She's a stronger character. She's not his assistant or something. It's super apparent here. Mm-hmm. And then she says Cinta is still on Aldani, quote, she's doing what she was told. Mm-hmm. We see a cut to that. Star Destroyer arrives. So sick. Hammer's coming down. It's, it's going to get bad. She probably won't make it off that planet, I'm guessing. Okay, let's, so let's go back and talk about Mon Mothma with Takeholma, like we mentioned. He's basically a separatist. This is her old friend from school, I guess, growing up, is the vibe, right? Yeah. From Chandrilla? Mm-hmm. He's a banker. Banker, yeah. From a rich family, got into politics. It seems like that's the vibe. But he's not an imperial loyalist. He says the word separatist specifically, like his separatist tendencies or separatist politics or something like that. He also seems to be like the family accountant. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. she's, yeah. she's pleading with him to get access to family funds. That's right. Okay. On the down low. And she says something about it used to not be a problem, but it is now. That's right. Because, okay, that makes perfect sense. He's a banker, duh. She wants to confide in him, but he's hesitant to say too much because he says something like, you know, a lot's changed for both of us since we last saw each other. And he mentions like not being, basically not being a fan of the Empire either, but he's scared to say how much he hates the Empire because he thinks that she... You know, she's part of the Senate and yeah. the Imperial Senate. So it's it's interesting. And in her mind, she's probably like, yo, I hate him too, man. Yeah. I just can't let you know how much. He's changed moving left. And he thinks that she's changed moving right mm-hmm. simply because of her, her, her place in office. But it's so smart how they wrote it, how it flips. And it's really subtle talking about their performance again, how him just questioning the idea of, of her being able to be honest with him or vice versa gives her everything she needs to know. And she says as much. Mm-hmm. And then she tells him once she kind of like establishes that she realizes, okay, it's going to be cool. She says the Mon Mothma people think they know it's a lie. It's a projection. It's a front. I've learned from Palpatine. I love hearing Palpatine's name in this. I show you the stone in my hand. You miss the knife at your throat. Is that from something that's got to be like Shakespeare or something, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's brilliant though. So she, the idea is she's going to set up a Shandrillan charitable outreach program, but it's a rebel front and she wants him to be a chairman. He's going to have to come to Coruscant on a regular basis. This is all just putting the pieces in place so she can get access to her family money to fund the rebellion. I love money laundering in Star Wars. <laughs> I love uh, the entire payroll bankroll for an entire imperial sector being hard currency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she says, Perrin knows none of this. He's not to be trusted. She hates him too. We all hate him. He sucks, man. <laughs> he sucks. He's got 
the daughter all turned on her too. It sucks. That guy's a douche. Um, so, but we didn't see, did anyone, either of you guys see the, um, either of, uh, Palpatine's dudes at that party in the background? Mm-mm. I didn't. I was looking for him. Saw a couple sweet aliens though. The one with the, like the tiny head on the big tall body and the <laughs> yeah. mouth just going, bat, 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 bat. <laughs> more aliens in this episode than, than Definitely. any yet, I think. Yeah. I thought the alien you were just talking about, I didn't really go back to look. That wasn't like a Ithorian. Like a, no, I thought it was at first okay. as well. Gotcha. It's like a little head. <laughs> it's funny. Like the neck, but tiny little head. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. And then Cassian, so he returns home in this. This is kind of the, the main thing with him. He goes to see Marva, tries to convince her to run away with him. You notice he called her Ma? Mm-hmm. Like Mom? Yeah. That was tight. He visits Bix. This is important because it shows how she, she's frustrated with him, thinks he's selfish, which is why people don't rebel in general, I guess, is the vibe. I mean, I, I get how, like it can be perceived as selfish. Like you, you want to fight this fight, but there are going to be casualties basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, literally everything that's going on right now has to do with, it's all repercussions of him. I would need to watch that scene again. Does she talk about Ferrix being sort of brutalized after in the wake of his actions? Does she say something about that? I don't know if she says it, but I mean, Cassian found out that Tim got killed. Yeah. She's got that blood on her head. You know, all the context is there. The idea though, is that people are, whether directly or indirectly imposing upon him that he's already in the fight, whether he likes right. it or not, mm-hmm. you know, there's a flashback. Like we talked about earlier to oh, so good to early Imperial days, clones still around. We don't actually see them fire the shot on Clem, his adopted father, but they do, but <laughs> they do. Marva says he was hanged and there's a, a short clip and just a quick flashback clip of young Cassian walking by and seeing the dangling feet. And then charging those four troopers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He charges the troopers, but they, they don't show what happened after that. <sighs> Nothing good, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's all just like, it's all building up for Cassian's turn to stop running and actually join the rebellion. He's got the manifesto in hand. Marva wants to stay and rebel. She's all stoked. I, dude, I, also, I love the moment when she's like, did you hear about what happened on Aldani? And he's like, uh, what do you mean on an old Donnie? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then she she's all excited about what they did and says, um, what's the quote? If there are heroes brave enough to take on a whole Imperial garrison, I'm brave enough to stick it out here. And he gets this like little smile that he has to swallow really fast, you know? Like yeah. he did it for her, even though he can't tell her because he wants to protect her, you know? So good. And then she says, stop searching for your sister. It's a fantasy. There were no survivors on Canari. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. I I had actually forgotten about that. Yeah. They brought it back up for a reason, though. Yeah. That's... You would think. And then he ultimately ends up... She kind of bullshits him. She's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll do that tomorrow. And then flips it on him when he comes back. Like, no, I, I can't go and you can't stay. So we next see him on this beach town. We'll call it Space Miami. <laughs> so good. Planet is Niamos. Have we ever been there? No. That's new for sure. I know I've never been there. Personally. Well, lots of, of species are sitting 
on that sort of Venice Beach style concrete yes, yeah, you know, strip that, yeah. in just Walmart plastic folding lawn chairs. Straight up. <laughs> yeah. There's multiple just like plastic armed woven backed beach chairs. <laughs> so good. It's just a great design. It's a galactic design. It's that yeah. good. It's classic. Yeah. The wheel works no matter what galaxy you're in, you know? So <laughs> some things just need to stay the way they are. So Cassian gets arrested for basically just like being around because the Empire's just... Do you think whatever was happening there is a part of something or is like people just running because they're getting falsely accused of breaking the law? Because it starts with him walking and Imperial short troopers are chasing some other people. Mm -hmm, But it really does seem like petty, like they might be chasing them for petty crime or literally no crime. yeah. Yeah. So he essentially gets arrested for that, and the one of the droids, the Imperial droids that K2SO is, that, that model, whatever it is. The KX, yeah, Imperial Security. He's basically like, a droid assistance, you know, calls him over, and he's like, oh, dude, I just thought of it. This has to be a reference to uh, Terminator 2, when, um, when John Connor's like to the Terminator when they're talking to those dudes, and he's like, yo, f*** you, you little dipshit. <laughs> he's like, dipshit? Did you call moi a dipshit? <laughs> It's like, pick this guy up, shit. And then Arnold literally picks him up when he says, pick this guy up. And he's like, now who's the dipshit, you jock douchebag? <laughs> so, so whatever the trooper says to the droid, he interprets it as like, hold him up, pick him up. And he holds him by the neck. It's so good. Yeah, because he says like, hold him here, something like that. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is like, even though it sucks and it's like a terrible example of overreach with uh, you know, in a tyrannical government, it's like a the whole thing is a comedy bit. Everything about like, like, uh, yeah. are you part of it? Part of what? What's happening or whatever? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a who's on first conversation. <laughs> it's great. I really, really, really want to go to Star Wars Miami. Looks awesome. Yeah, dude. Same. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up this little uh, synopsis kind of vibe here with uh, Cyril, who we actually open with and close with. Yeah, that's why we're doing it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so we're so smart. <laughs> So it opens with him in his mom's apartment. She's being as terrible as ever. And there's all this good stuff, this really good dialogue and imagery and everything about the way his story is constructed that I really feel, I'm going to feel dumb if nothing happens, but I feel like it's just setting him up to join the rebellion or in some way break from this like conservative, traditional, and now imperial lifestyle and um, Mm -hmm. loyalty. So... He's got this job interview that came via Uncle Harlow, and he's got this suit on. It's like a normal-looking suit in, in Star Wars. And she's like, what's going on with your collar, basically? What makes you think the Bureau of Standards is in the market for individuals? <laughs> yeah. So it's just like authoritarian order, robotic allegiance, communism kind of vibe. This, so this is the second piece of clothing that he's had tailored to make it his own, to express himself as an individual. And... That doesn't align with what his mom believes, with what the Empire's about. So he goes into this interview at the Bureau of Standards, and he has to disclose what happened. He says, I was punished for trying to do my job to uphold the law, et cetera, right? And because it's on his resume. So that's, that's just, it's just like building this character motivation thing where he's like, he wants to be an individual. He also just wants to do a good job, do well in life, but then he's being punished by the people that he's trying to serve. It's just, dude, it's just teeing him up to be like, these people, I'm out. Yeah, I really, I think that there's something to it for sure. I mean, we're speculating whatever, but to be on the inside of something like this and to see how, basically that line from Cassian of like, 
you just walk in and pretend like you you work there or they're so fat and satisfied. It's like cereal. <laughs> cereal. Cereal. He really likes he's cereal. Cere- he's always eating cereal. Yeah. He loves it. Cereal is seeing from the inside what Cassian is saying. You know, like it's it's for sure possible. And then it ends with a shot of him in the cubicle. When he first shows him the cubicle, he kind of just like gestures to it, the uh, the manager or whatever. And he looks at it really apprehensively like, that's where I'm going to sit. I'm just going to pee in there. So it ends with the shot of him in the cubicle. He's got his screens in front of him looking morose, very on brand. And then there's a series of zoom cuts as it like backs out. And you see as he just kind of like disappears into this abyss of cubicles filled with all these nameless Mm. drones working mindlessly. And it goes from, you know, it goes from a a tighter shot on him to him being lost in this sea of lack of individuality. Yeah, I feel like the work, the tighter scene, I was like, oh, this is kind of like severance, you know, like he's like, yeah, yeah, like just staring at a screen like, what am I looking for? I'm looking for something. What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then pulling out is that shot is just so gray and just like no noise, no nothing. It's yeah. not right. very, uh, very grim. Let's do the den. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh gosh. It's a Calicore. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Secrets only the Sith knew. How convenient. Isn't that special? <laughs> Let's throw back. Nick. Yeah. Give us some nuggets, man. Yeah, some of these things will we may have already referenced, but uh speaking of Cyril, we were just talking about Cyril. Did you notice he has a couple action figures? They look like they're holding guns, so he probably they maybe they're stormtrooper action figures. I have no clue, but there's some action figures in his bedroom. Pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if this is necessarily like an Easter egg, but I thought it was super interesting to see like the news report. On a tube TV. I mean, both of the fact that it was a tube TV and that it was a news report that just looked like an anchor, like a news Mm -hmm. anchor. (laughs) Before he, before the camera flipped to look at the screen, I was, I mean, ears pricked. What is this going to be? What's it going to look like when they show the news broadcast? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I think they, I think they did really well with it. I mean, I, I think, you know, we've talked about before, like Star Wars tech is just, it's just different. They, they focused on different areas. They were able to, you know, there's interstellar travel that we don't have, but we have cell phones and iPads. You know, it's like they use their resources for mm-hmm. different things in their evolutionary process, right? But I think it the, the tube TV was sick. Yeah. It, it like stays in the in the original trilogy space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. Sorry, I'll, I don't want to get too far off track, but you would think you update things and make everything widescreen. Yeah, like that. That's what was happening in sci-fi for a little bit. You look mm-hmm. at for sure, like going back to like Star Trek 2009. And even some of the sequels, things are more widescreen. Meanwhile, on Earth, we're now looking at everything on tall, skinny screens. Everyone's yeah. <laughs> shooting video vertically, which makes no sense, but that's what's happening. So uh, mm-hmm. a CRT tube TV, old style, like almost square. It's not weird. Yeah. It's not like, why is that like that? Wouldn't it be widescreen? It actually kind of makes sense. Uh, moving further into our den of antiquities, back into... Luthen's Den of Antiquities. We didn't mention because it wasn't really a focus, but there was like a Plo Koon style mask. I don't think it's Plo Koon's necessarily because that dude blew up in Revenge of the Sith, but there is a Plo Koon styled mask that could be seen. And I believe, I feel pretty confident about this, that we see a Jedi Temple guard mask for the first time in, in Luthen's uh, 100. den there. I don't remember seeing that before. 
Mike put this uh, in the Den of Antiquities here. Mon Mothma's party includes a lot of Canto Bite alien designs, including Lexo Suger, a similar design to uh, an Athorian. Oh, there's there it is with the little head. Yeah, yeah. And the hinge mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 uh. This could be a reference to Ralph McQuarrie's Obi-Wan concept design, uh, but Mon Mothma's uh, buddy, old childhood friend, Tecalma, his robes kind of resemble the concept design of Obi-Wan's robes from back in the day, which I think Hasbro just put out like a concept series of Ralph McQuarrie's Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, like a a set of the two of them. It's, It's pretty rad. Partigaz, in the ISB, Partigaz says something about hyperspace lanes to Ord Mantel, which we know from the Bad Batch, and, and he might just be hungry for some Mantel mix. <laughs> in the original, the original mention was The Empire Strikes Back, right? Uh, in the, the argument in the, the ice hallway between Han and Leia, mm-hmm. and she's like, I thought you were staying. And he's like, well, yeah. uh, Bounty Hunter on Ord Mantel changed that, yeah. or whatever he mm-hmm. said, right? Uh, in the most boring job ever, the Bureau of Standards, you see uh, Cyril walk by a mouse droid. So that's that's as as much of an Easter egg as you're going to get these days from yeah. from Andor. Just be like, yeah, I recognize that thing. It has no meaning to the scene whatsoever. But someone somewhere was like, mouse droid, yeah. We've only ever associated those with the with the Empire. So I mm-hmm. mean, maybe nothing to look yeah. at here, but could be running surveillance could be, you know what I mean? Like just showing how Mm -hmm. there isn't even independent industry. Like it's the empire is everywhere. Is the the Bureau of Standards an imperial bureau or is it a private? Uh, I guess it would be. It's not independent. Yeah. I feel like that makes sense. Because didn't his mother say that the uncle was imperial? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I feel like. Okay. There you go then. Yeah. So it's it's like a surveillance droid at, uh, at the DMV. This I didn't pick up on. I don't, Adam, did you toss this in there? The uh, I did. the name of the girl in Cassian's room is Windy, aka Mace Windy. Different spelling, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought that could be inspired. Towards the end of this episode on Niamos, we finally get to see shore troopers. What I thought were probe droids might be ID ten seeker droids, and then we also mentioned previously the KX Imperial security droids, which are what K two S O R. When Cassian is getting sentenced towards the end of this episode, the judge says six years and the alien bailiffs in the courtroom are from the Rise of Skywalker. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Six years, up from six months. Yep. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> in the sentencing room, there's a mention of walking an unleashed massive and animal fouling. So <laughs> massive, we know, has been in uh, you know animation and, and Mandalorian. And animal fouling... That massive took a duty. Yeah. And now you're going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Got to carry a poop bag with you, man. Got to carry poop bags. (laughs) Uh, Going back to like the steps on the beach, uh, there was an alien with a cybernetic leg that was playing to Jarek. I usually break out a hollow chessboard on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I do. And finally, the card that the judge prints for the defendant right before Cassian says, suspected force sensitive, assaulting an Imperial officer, sentence. 25 years. Real interesting. For being suspected mm-hmm. of being force sensitive. Brutal. Innocent before uh, proven guilty is not a thing. Nope. All right, let's start wrapping this up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Nick. What's up, Adam? Where did you get that shirt you're wearing? The one that I like so much with the Star Wars things on it? Oh, this one. This one I get a lot of compliments on. I got this one from Roosevelt's. R-S-V-L-T-S. You know that company. I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah. They have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously. And other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more. So many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do t-shirts and shorts. And not just for the men, but for the women and the children, too. Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they fit. The fabric is super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same again at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. Favorite moments, favorite quotes, and so on. Ryan Key, what was your favorite scene or moment or quote? It's hard with these, you know, more conversational episodes, but I think I was really moved by the scene between Cassian and and Marva when he went back to get her and get her out of there. And the lines exchanged were, she says, take the money you found, go find some peace. And he says... I can't remember if it's have or find, but he says, I'll never have peace. I'll never find peace. I'll be worried about you all the time. And she replies with this like just amazing motherly glow. She says, that's love. There's nothing you can do about that. And I think those types of exchanges are just so new for Star Wars. You know, those super thoughtful I mean, with the exception of your Yoda moments and things like, but you know what I mean? Just between right, two right. characters having that kind of thoughtful exchange, I think is something the show is doing so well. And the writing is just impeccable. Nick, how about you? What was your favorite? Uh, I mean, I, I think I said it earlier. I think this whole episode was my favorite episode so far. I just really liked seeing all the, the fallout from everything. Uh, I'll, I'll go with a favorite quote. And I really, really loved Mon Mothma saying, I've learned from Palpatine. I show you the stone in my hand. You miss the knife at your throat. I just, like you mentioned it earlier a little bit. Like, I think Palpatine got two mentions in this show. And Mm -hmm. it's just so, even the person we know that is at the head of the Empire right now, this show is so, yes, it's Star Wars, obviously, but it's, the tone is so different that even hearing Palpatine's name almost feels like a comic book character, like something that doesn't fit. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't know. Do you think we're going to see him and not over, not over a hollow? I don't know. It's, it's, it feels so different that any character is going to feel to me. I mean, I, this might just be my take on it. Just might feel weird. I totally hear what you're saying, but how cool will it be if, yeah. if they spin oh, that into this vibe? Like, yeah. Amazing. you know, like Krennic going to see Vader in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it's like yeah. how they're going to do that here with one of the officers or maybe Deidre ends up getting like, what a cool thing that would be for this new officer. You know, she's clearly getting ahead quickly mm-hmm. and she's really good at her job and we get like a critic moment with the emperor mm-hmm. and her 
I don't know. I'm speculating. We're not allowed to do that on the show. But <laughs> either way, I, I think it would be rad if they bring a gritty, non-comic booky version of of Palpatine. Totally. And yeah. you know, Ian playing him. That would be my preference for sure. Mm-hmm. Is that to just make the vibe of whoever, whatever character they pull that makes sense to be in here, is to just make it feel like it belongs in the show and not. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Not otherwise. Yeah. Tony Gilroy or uh, Dan Gilroy written Palpatine dialogue directed in this way yeah yeah dude his like yeah, lair like feeling like it lives in this show it's so good yeah. and everything's already so gritty and dirty it just make palpatine curse yeah we got that one corpo cursing in the first episode or whatever it was make palpatine curse they say bastards a lot kill the rebels make palpatine call someone a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> i just want to hear palpatine say that he's watching dedra's career with great interest <laughs> yeah uh my favorite moment uh, it might be god it's anything with mon mothma on screen it's a tie between the gallery one and the one at her party that the gallery i love 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 how they're bouncing in and out of laughing and playing their parts so the driver outside yeah doesn't suspect them it's total chaos god it's so good dude the the way they the, the way they flip those switches on and off is just brilliant and then she's doing a similar thing. Yeah, and thing. she's she's doing the. Th- I was okay. You're gonna go there at yeah. the party. Yeah, she's doing a similar she thing there. Going, Smile. Yep. And she's so good at it. And like you said, the nuance of the performance and how generous as actors would say, this dude is being with her performance. Mm-hmm. The little mm-hmm. smirk at the very end of the conversation. Yeah. Is just it's delicious. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so good. I, I love Genevieve O'Reilly. She's killing it. And everything around this character, everything that's been written is so brilliantly crafted. I can't imagine it won't pay off brilliantly as well. So I'm going to go with that conversation in the party. We go Before we go to patrons, honorable mention, the, the clone trooper flashback, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, just that whole... That was my favorite flashback so far, for sure. Seeing the clones, dude. A real-life battalion of clones... For the first time. Yeah. And they're like stripped of all of their identity. You know, they're just white stormtrooper. It's just like the uniforms are... Yeah, sorry, I'm getting... This is good timing when we do this in the middle of the day. (laughs) We got an airplane? Lightsaber? What is that? No, it's a lawnmower. Oh. And it's right outside the studio window right now. (laughs) Like literally right there. All right. Well, um, (laughs) there's a helicopter landing on Ryan's house. So, uh, Nick, you want to read some uh, favorites from the patrons before we wrap it up? Uh, Patrick Merton in the chat says Ryan's quote was the one that uh, hit him the most. That quote being Cassian saying, I'll never have peace. I'll be worried about you all the time. And Marva replying, that's love. There's nothing you could do about that. Beautiful. And then... I love you too, mom. (laughs) Kevin Doom goes on to say his favorite scene. I love you, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Doom's favorite scene will probably be the one between Mon and her childhood friend. Such a graceful dance of conversation to say so much through body language. And uh, it really gave us the feel of political discourse even between two old friends. Agreed, Kevin. Wait for it, Kevin. You probably know that commercial. People probably said that to you for years. All right, final thoughts. Um, I'm just stoked to see what happens next week. Beginning of a new arc. Yeah. So the, the what we've come to learn directly from Tony Gilroy is that this episode was it doesn't feel like a one-off, like it wasn't a side quest, but this was an episode 
directly dealing with the previous arc and the fallout of the previous Aldani heist. And then we're going to have one more three-episode arc and then a two-episode finale. So Because there's five episodes left because that's how math works. We get one more arc and then a two-episode finale. Kevin Doom said he's waiting for the end of the Mon Mothma divorce arc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Hit the fucking bricks, Perrin, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the sliding door hit you in the ass on the way out. Somehow I want Perrin to die the way Mace Windu died. Right off the balcony. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> no, honey. Uh, yeah, go ahead and get out that side of the car. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. It's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, Ryan Key, you want to wrap us up with a quote of the week? Yeah, I think it's already been said twice in the episode, but it is the winner. It's the leader. It's epic. It's the one. So as we've mentioned, this quote was very poignant and Shakespearean in a way. But uh, Mon Mothma, I've learned from Palpatine. I show you the stone in my hand. You miss the knife at your throat. I'm really bummed that I didn't come up with this lyric in 2003 and, and put it on Page Avenue. <laughs> yeah, it would have it, it fit. Yeah. The show is so good. I never want it to end. My, Mike doesn't want to hear it, but I just, I just want this to be my Star Wars from, from now on. I never want to stop watching it. <laughs> All right, patrons, thank you so much for being here. We got to wrap it up because we are, um, it's crunch time for Mosh Eisley. It's crunch time for when we were young. Two out of three of us are playing that. And um, I have to edit this podcast and then go assemble all of these fabric parts into my costume over here. I've been sewing. I'm a tailor now, I think. I have a new skill. Very proud of myself. I just dropped my... Uh, I'm just putting pa- a bunch of patches on Han Solo vest for Mosh Eisley, and I just dropped it off at, at like a tailor. I'm like, please do this for me. I, <laughs> I, I don't have time. So speaking of Mosh Eisley... I'm so bummed. The 28th. That would be eight days from the time of this release. Las Vegas backstage bar and billiards it's a star wars themed emo night it's going to be amazing there's going to be a bunch of folks there from the festival a lot of friends from bands we it's you know it's vegas hours so we're going from i think doors are at seven until whenever we're dead i guess (laughs) it's going to be the best party you've ever been to tickets are still on sale and you can go to moshisley.com to get those you can also find mosh isley merch there or thankthemakermerch.com we've got some shirts for the event itself. So even if you can't make it, you can buy a shirt. We just put up a poster that Mike made last night in like 11 minutes. He's like, should I make a poster? Yeah. 11 minutes later, he sent this badass poster that's now up and available. We've got new Thank the Maker designs. It's good stuff. Thankthemakermerch.com or moshisleymerch.com for tickets and merch. You can follow this podcast on Instagram and TikTok at thankthemakerpod, on Twitter at thankthemaker. My personal stuff is all at Adam the Skull. All of my social medias, social medias, plural. You like that? <laughs> At William Ryan Key. My little fun, ambient, electronic project that I work on with my good friend Ryan Mendez. Uh, we have a song coming out on Friday. So if you're listening to this podcast tomorrow, uh, it's a remix of one of our newer singles. The song is called Two Piece. And we have a super talented Swiss producer, DJ, who goes by Slash uh, Eleven, who's done a remix of Two Piece and it drops tomorrow. So. Check it out everywhere you listen to music. J-E-D-H-A. It's interesting that there are nine other slashes between uh, the Guns N' Roses one and that guy. Uh, Yeah. You think they had to kill them? I don't know. He's the one right now, though. Just to be thorough. (laughs) 
All my social media is at Nick Bayside. And speaking of Bayside, tons of news right now. We just released a new song called Just Like Home. That's a part of our new EP that is out now. And we announced a full U.S. tour that's early in uh, 2023 featuring I'm the Avalanche and Koyo. Tickets are on sale now. It's called the Just Like Home Tour. Please go listen. Make me famous. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I should mention... Our good buddy Mike Forrester was on the Story of the Year podcast, Page Avenue Crew, last week. You can, um, on any of our socials, you can find that. He and I made the artwork for our new album. So we talked about that process. And there's a little secret about how it was made. It's really interesting. It's uh, nerdy tech stuff. I won't spoil it, but check that out at Story of the Year on all things. You'll find the link there. And patreon.com slash thanktomakerpod if you want to support this podcast, get access to our Discord server get exclusive merch, exclusive content, and in the case of the Jedi Council tier patrons right here, watch and listen to us record live. Patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. Patrons, thanks for being with us. Listeners, thanks for listening. Dudes, I love you. Love you. And until next week, may the Force be with you. Peace.